With a compliance date of January 1, 2020, for the California Consumer Privacy Act, what should healthcare sector entities be doing to comply? And what other new privacy challenges can healthcare sector entities expect to face? I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Attorney Ann Kimball, Chief Privacy Officer of HITRUST. Formerly known as the Health Information Trust Alliance, about steps that healthcare sector entities need to take to comply with CCPA, as well as some of the other challenges that they're facing. So, Anne, what should healthcare sector entities be doing right now to comply with CCPA? What do they need to know? And is it mostly California-based entities that need to worry about compliance? So the way the California Consumer Privacy Act was written, there is an exception for HIPAA entities. But the way it's written, and there's been some back and forth discussion from particularly lawyers and policy interpreters online about how far that exception goes, whether it's really for an entity that is either a covered entity or a business associate. Or how I think the California Attorney General is much more likely to read it, in that it applies to PHI that is under the the HIPAA umbrella. So the argument is, you know, and again, this is the side I'm taking, is that any information a healthcare provider has that isn't PHI, they really need to look at the CCPA and see what the requirements are. The way the CCPA is set up, it's supposed to be for businesses outside of California as well as inside. A lot of healthcare entities will be exempted, even not for HIPAA data,、um, because it only focuses on for-profit businesses. But if you're a for-profit healthcare entity, you do business in California. And you either make more than twenty-five million dollars a year, get fifty percent or more of your revenue from data sales, which probably is not going to apply in healthcare. Sells or discloses information on fifty thousand or more consumers, devices, or households, or is an entity that is fifty percent controlled by a business that meets that definition. It will apply to you. So larger for-profit healthcare providers will have to look at this, no matter where in the U.S. they are. So, Anne, I also understand that High Trust is adding CCPA privacy controls to its Common Security Framework, Information Risk, and Compliance Framework. What sorts of controls are being added? What's new in terms of privacy controls that weren't already part of the framework? The controls themselves. They、haven't really changed because if you look at the CCPA and compare it to other major privacy laws frameworks, things that we already had in the HITRA CSF, including GDPR being the most famous, the controls are already there. What we've had to do is add 15 new CCPA-specific requirement statements. So when you get down to the nitty-gritty detail, is where things like the right to access, the right to deletion, the right to opt out in CCPA. Have their own specific rules, so that's where it really comes into play. We added it、um, in part because, obviously, of market demand, but also, you know, we really want to be able to help entities comply. And one of the things that often gets ignored about the CCPA is its security requirements. In part because they're very vague. You need to have reasonable and appropriate security. But what does that mean? And that question. Based on the HIPAA security rule, which is more detailed than that, but is where High Trust came from. 
the idea is the security side of our framework will help you make sure that for your entity, you do have reasonable and appropriate security. And the privacy side comes in with laws like HIPAA or the CCPA to make sure you also have the proper policies, procedures, and implementation on that side. So even though California Act has the word privacy in it, and that's certainly my focus, um, and one of the, the ways that we've added it into the HITRUST CSF, I strongly encourage people not to forget about security. So, Anne, the National Institute of Standards and Technologies recently introduced a preliminary draft for a privacy framework. Do you anticipate that that framework will be reflected somehow in the HITRUST CSF? And what should healthcare sector entities expect potentially? Absolutely. I'm figuring that it will be in the HITRUST CSF once we get the final version, probably in our uh, version 10 that will be released next year. My advice for healthcare entities is to stay tuned. Even when we get the final version of the NIST privacy framework, unless it is significantly more specific than it is now, my guess is what we're going to see is the same thing we saw with the NIST cybersecurity framework, and that there's going to be a fair amount of sector-specific guidance that's going to have to be developed. And so that's certainly something that, that HITRUST has been a part of on the cybersecurity framework side. I imagine we would want to be or try to be involved on the privacy framework side as well to make sure that the, the very broad framework that NIST has put together can actually be implemented by healthcare providers with clear guidance on how to do so. So Anne, in the bigger picture, in terms of the privacy threats that are facing healthcare sector entities, as well as the security threats, what's most troubling to you these days? We're seeing a really big growth, obviously, in ransomware. I have been told that ransomware is pretty darn easy to set up. And so we're seeing people who are not sophisticated hackers being able to get into healthcare systems through a ransomware, either a phishing email or somehow they get it on your system. That's really something I think a lot of people have to look at. You know, when you look at privacy and security in general, you tend to look at either mistakes by insiders or sophisticated outsiders. And what we're seeing is you don't have to be a sophisticated outsider anymore to try to make money off getting into a healthcare systems, IT systems. So that would really be the main sort of newer thing that I would suggest people look into um, and that I feel like they haven't. You know, the other thing that we're seeing, um, obviously, is a big growth in Internet of Things devices, apps, and healthcare providers becoming involved in those. You got to make sure you know the privacy and security that they have in place, even if it isn't necessarily HIPAA data, depending on whether your patient is the one putting the information in, I would advise them that you have to look at or consider the privacy and security because if that information gets out, I can promise you the patient doesn't care if it was technically HIPAA information or not. So I would advise patients who are using personal health records to ask questions about their developer's privacy and security as well. And finally, Anne, we've seen some large cyber attacks and data breaches this year involving vendors of healthcare sector entities, business associates, and other sorts of vendors. Any advice that you have for healthcare sector entities when it comes to vetting the security risks that their vendors pose? HITRUST actually has worked with, there's a group called the Provider Third-Party Risk Management Council, and one of the things that they have looked at is the fact that these are there are vendor breaches. And again, as far as your patient is concerned, 
they don't really care that it was a vendor that breached the information because their relationship is with you, the provider. And so what the provider council has been putting together is sort of an understanding of how to go about doing vetting for vendors who have access to IT systems. And one of the things that they are suggesting is that if you have a high trust certification, then they will acknowledge that as meeting their requirements in terms of security and potentially privacy. So you've got a lot of sort of big health systems coming together because there's been a fair amount of pushback um, on the provider community and frankly every community about third-party risk management, which is why we focus on it as much as we do because you need to make sure that your vendors are doing the right thing. But if you send everyone a separate or different security questionnaire, how do you really, you know, if you're at one hospital A and your security questionnaire is different than hospital B's, are you really getting the same assurance? You don't know. So while obviously I'm a little bit biased towards high trust, you know, strongly suggest that you ask for some sort of tangible certification or something similar from your vendors so that you know that they're doing the right thing, that they're being monitored on an annual or semi-annual basis to make sure they continue to do the right thing, but you don't have to try to put all the resources into keeping up with that. We have what's called the High Trust Assessment Exchange Hacks, and that system allows providers to directly communicate with their vendors about really high trust certification requirements in their contracts and get status updates of who is compliant and who isn't. Because we do know, again, this is a big issue and it can be a huge resource drain for a provider to try to keep track of these things. Thanks, Anne. I've been speaking to Anne Kimball of High Trust. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.